What's cracking lacking, everybody? Money smart guy Matt Zapala here. Hailing to you from Dallas, Texas, and we're back again after a week out. We were in the Bahamas last week, but now we're back in the saddle. And here we are in episode 29 in studio with me is my co-host, my trainer, my boy, Milton Alvarez. What's going on, brother? Happy Thursday, man. You missed you last week, man. You look darker. <laughs> look like you had a good time, brother. It was it was a blast, man. Bahamas. I didn't realize it was so close. It's actually closer to get to the Bahamas than to California. Less than, How less far than three hours. Three, less than three, less hours. three hours. No shit. Boom. Not even a chance to uh, turn on a movie or even finish one. You know, it's uh, that fast to get yeah. out there. You know? But uh, listen, the last three times I was out in the Bahamas, it was in uh, 1996. I did a, uh, a uh, counter-drug mission with the Marines, and I, uh, we were working with DEA. And uh, anyway, we, did, we intercepted some planes. But this time around as a civilian, we're actually able to see one of the crash sites of a drug plane going from the Bahamas into Miami. So that's called the Lake, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Zuma Island. So Patrick, but David took us out there. and Pablo Escobar. Yeah, Pablo Escobar. It's right. Pablo Escobar. You, know, you guys so went to his party house and everything. We did. That was beautiful, man. So if you ever saw uh, uh, Narcos. Narcos. That's it, on, uh, on Netflix. The next time I was out there was 07, and I was a single guy just giving my life to Christ, and I said, uh, uh, I'm going to go not with a plus one. I'm just going to go by myself because I think if I, at that time I was single, uh, unmarried, single dad of three kids. And they said, you can take a guest, take a girlfriend. I'm like, ah, it's okay, man, because if I take a girlfriend, you know, trying this Christian thing and, uh-huh. you know, and uh, uh-huh. for sure, man, I'm like, I, you know, I know where the line's at and I don't want anything to help me cross the line. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and that's when I learned about Facebook in 07. In 07. You know, when I started learning about social media, I wrote an article for Broker World. Now social media was starting to change my business. And uh, shoot, that's almost close to, uh, it's almost close to uh, 15 years ago. It's 15 years ago, and then uh, obviously this time around with uh, with Sheena and the kids, and uh, had a blast out there. Man, we're thinking about going back out there. You got to come out next time around, man. I will. Bahamas, baby. I will. Definitely will this time, man. Didn't realize Bahamas was a very solid, staunch Christian nation. What well, is it now? Oh yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and so, you know, uh, there was a movie last week. We're going to get into it in a second, but there was a movie that was released on July 4th called Sound of Freedom. Yeah. And um, you know, it's probably the most impactful movie of our generation. And, uh, uh, we, you know, uh, like maybe when we get back to Dallas, we got to go check it out. we got to go check it out. Next thing you know, Patrick and Tigra and they text us and say, hey, we found a theater in the Bahamas. Because there's only 2,600 theaters across America that's showing this movie. Highly controversial. It's about yeah. human, human and, and child trafficking. And Bahamas had it. You know, the only theater in, the, in Nassau that had the, uh, the, the movie playing it. So a lot of cities and states in America don't have it, but Nassau definitely had it because they want to show it. They want to show it to their population. So... Uh, uh, let's get into it. So the Sound of Freedom. What's the deal with the controversial box office hit Sound of Freedom? So if you haven't seen this movie yet, uh, Jordan, can we take a look at my screen? Uh, this movie here is by... Oh, really? Okay. We got to go on VMix. Gotcha. Probably one of the things we need to do on uh, a pre-op check. Okay, we're VMix. Here we go. Let's see if we can connect. Um, but this movie here was something that um, uh, was released, actually done five years ago. Yeah. And um, are, are we good? Uh, are we there yet? Let me know, Jordan. Not showing up. Um, I should have shown here. Oops. Uh-oh. Uh, well, I opened it up. I don't know. I don't know what else to do. Anyway. Um, when we're looking at, uh, where was it? Uh, boom, 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 boom. Where was I? 
Okay, I can't. I can't show my screen. Okay. Um, it, it's so just. It's it, it's up on my end. Uh, Jordan, I don't know. I don't know if you want to come over here and check out my laptop. I got a show to do. <laughs> but anyway, uh, this this uh, show, Sound of Freedom, it was um, done five years ago. Yeah. And uh, Disney had ownership of it, and. Um, you know, you know, you go on Netflix and you go all these like they show cuties, right? And everybody there was an uproar about cuties because parents are like, what the hell are you showing this? Why do you, first of all, why are you doing a documentary on little young girls doing gymnastics and ballet and showing them kind of in a provocative way? It was, it was cuties, and so one side of it was like, hey, that's that's awesome, and the parents are like, yo, it's kind of like inappropriate. Why, yeah. are you, why are you showing this stuff on Netflix? Yeah, and Netflix is like, yeah, it's all cool, it's cool, it's hey, we just want it. it's it's our product, it's our it's our platform, we'll do it. And then now with this movie Sound of Freedom, they're like, uh-uh. Not, we're not showing this. This is not something. It's not something we're going to do. And anyway, make a long story short, uh, Jim Caviezel had to fight tooth and nail. Uh, Angel Studios had to fight tooth and nail to get this, you know, uh, up so people can actually see the movie Sound of Freedom. And so the devil's a liar because we can, I can't show my screen in it right now. It's trying to attack everything we can about spreading the gospel of this movie because our technology isn't working right now. But isn't it interesting? It's interesting how it's happening right now. The Emmy right now is in the midst of this. It, there's been a lot of training videos on, uh, on TikTok and it, on Instagram where people show up to movie theaters. To watch the, the movie. The screen's completely blank. It's complete blank screen. People have gone online to purchase tickets and they show that the showings are completely sold out. They still show up and the movie theater is completely empty. So many people have been speaking about how uh, movie theaters owners have been blocking out people yeah. the opportunity to even watch this movie, and I'm not, so I'm not surprised that this is actually air, air, happening right now. Thank you, thank you, Joe. appreciate you, Jordan. Not surprised at all that this is happening. Air conditioners right now. are out. Yeah. Fire alarms are being pulled. Yes, the fire alarm one. That was a, that was like maybe about two days ago that happened. You know, yeah. I, have you ever been to a movie theater where the general manager of the movie theater says, "Sorry, guys, the movie isn't available. We can't show it," and then people are sitting there. Nope. Well, we've seen those TikToks. And we're seeing it now because we hadn't had a chance to download the movie. Was it? Download the movie? What are you talking about? It's a yeah. movie theater. So uh, a lot of controversy is going behind this, and it just shows what type of, what type of um, demons exist to keep this message from being shown up. But anyway, the, the, the first 10 minutes of the movie, Milton, I couldn't breathe. First 10 minutes of the movie, I couldn't breathe. Um, a model shows up. And think about this. In child trafficking, human trafficking, the recruiters aren't men. People think that there's some weird dude in a white van picking up and kidnapping They're kids, women, huh? which is part of it. It's actually a woman. They're, women. They're baiting them in. Why? They're less threatening. Yeah. Right and uh, and and the and the the woman recruits the little girl and and asks to talk to the dad and you know apparently I don't know where the mom was and then next thing a little boy comes in and the recruiter's like oh man two you know two for one special next thing you know she sells them on a story that you're gonna be a model we're gonna put you got a photo shoot we got to put you out on our album so people can see you and I'm thinking about how many we're we're from Chicago yeah that happens all the time in Chicago and Oakbrook. Yep. You know, but to older, you know, to, you know, they try to sell you, oh, you look like a model, and this is how they recruit mm -hmm, you to their agency. Mm -hmm. But now this is happening to kids. And so, you know, when they're looking at uh, the, the millions of people and, and children that are, are disappearing, they think that two, two to four million of those people that are disappearing are children. And so the sick part about human trafficking, why it's growing, and America being the number one consumer of this, of this, uh, of this, uh, of this child pornography, is um, is is it's, it's crazy because they'll try to kidnap these kids as young as five, four, five, six years old. And so you'll see in the movie they, they got albums of these kids at four, five, six years old posing on a bed and being child raped. Mm -hmm. Sick. And the guys, one of the cops is like, "Listen, man, I've been to a lot of murder scenes. 
Now, you've been a cop. You've been to a lot of murder scenes. You've been to a lot of uh, graphic, horrific things, right? Mm. But the guy's like, this is different. I can't shake this out of my head. I've seen murder scenes that people have seen their, their head get blown off, but to see children like this, the innocence being raped and taken from them and being treated like a piece of garbage, I can't get it out of my head. And the guy's like, listen, I'd rather go back and do murder scenes because mm. I can't deal with this stuff. Mm. And, and um, my sister and my brother-in-law do this type of work. That's one of the nonprofits we support. And um, um, so they tell me some of the stuff they were doing, but it never, you know, I, I never was able to visually see what they were doing until I saw this movie. And so um, now you got nieces and you got nephews. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're still in a generation. You're not so far gone. You're a millennial. But you still remember the generation. You still go out. You still go out and go play. Go to you know whatever case may be, right? It's rough now, man. It's rough, and right now it's more. It's becoming well. It's becoming. It's always been. I think now that we have more, uh, more platforms to show more and have have more exposure. Now we're able to see it a lot more because this was a, this was alive in the '80s. This was yeah. alive in the '70s. It's been alive for a while. But um, one of the biggest and the only reason why I'm heavy on this, um, my family isn't involved in any you know illegal things in Mexico or in Ecuador. Or, or uh, cartel activity, but mm -hmm. I have people who are close to my family who, who are involved. And I, I, I came up with this art. I came across this article that speaks about that in 2018, cartels made roughly 500 million a year smuggling migrants into the United States, and it's a half a billion dollars. Yeah. So today, this source of income, because this was published in February of this year, today this source of income has ballooned into a 13 million dollar industry. Yeah. From Smuggling. smuggling people into yeah. the country to, so they can do um, unpaid labor, yeah. sex slaves uh, for people in power. Yeah. And for some reason, every single time, it's always younger people. When I went to Egypt, I think, I'm not sure if I told you the story, but when I went to Egypt, I, I hired a tour guide because I just I didn't want sure. to get kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. You know, or whatever, right? Hold, hell for ransom. Whatever the case may be, right? Smuggled into a pyramid or something. I would give him 20 bucks to get you back. <laughs> Thanks, bro. No problem. I appreciate that. I would have contributed to go yeah. for me. <laughs> so I'm, we're, we're driving around. Um, this guy is RAV4, and you know there's a lot of poverty in Egypt. And uh, you see, you see, see a lot of guys standing in the corner. I'm like, hey, what about those guys? What about those guys? I was just curious about the demographics. Like those people sold drugs. Those people sold drugs. And those people, they are smuggling people. They they mm -hmm. kidnap young young people and then they ship them. Mm -hmm. And then. I would see older men walking around with little girls holding by their hands. I'm like, oh, good. Parents are walking their kids to school. And they would ask me, where do you see, where do you see the parent? I'm like, that guy right there, that guy right there, that guy right there. Like, and they would turn around and look at me like, no, that's, that's, that's uh, their future spouse. Damn. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, yeah. That man probably paid the family an X amount of money or they made an agreement with the family that that's going to be his future wife. How but, he, but he's going to hold off until she uh, has her menstrual cycle. No, not of age, menstrual cycle. Menstrual. So I'm like, it could be well, 11, 12. Well, let me ask you. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. How, on average, what's the age that these you know little girls usually get pawned off to yeah. to another man? They're like the youngest they go is 11, <laughs> and they don't touch them until they have their menstrual cycle. Once they have their menstrual cycle, there's a free for all to do whatever they want with Sick them. Sick shit, bro. So they mold them. Yeah. They literally mold them to how they want them to be, yeah. and mold them to the wives they want to be. So you literally have grown men in the 30s, 40s, even yeah. 50s, yeah. walking around 11, 12-year-olds, yeah. that once they get their menstrual cycle, now they're officially women, Man. technically, and now you can be my wife. And now we have a ceremony, and it's beautiful based on our culture and our traditions. It's gross, man. Human trafficking, Jordan, if we can take a look at my screen. Human trafficking is a $150 billion a year industry that, uh, that is taking kids... And, and what happens is, bro, it's like, you know, we're there, we're talking about uh, uh, Pablo Escobar. Well, you can sell a dime bag, 
mm-hmm. you make money, but you always got to get product, mm-hmm. right? To sell your dime back. With kids, you can sell a kid five, six, seven times a day, every day, every week, every month, for the next 10 years. That's the crazy part about it. And then on top of that, you see them at 15, 16 years old, where the pedos, they don't see them as attractive anymore. Mm-hmm. They're too old, 15, 16 years old. So they do sadly, bro, is that they now use them for organ harvesting. Mm-hmm. That's some disgusting stuff. Mm-hmm. So when, when we took JoJo to go see this, he's 12. I took the twins to go see it when we went to Chicago. And uh, after our workshop we did on, on Tuesday, which by the way, phenomenal job, Oakbrook. Uh, we had a little over um, uh, 400 people there, but uh, we took a bunch of people to the theater the next day. Okay, oh. we packed the theaters the next day, 11:30 a.m. So people took off work, people took off time to brought their families, brought their kids. Look at that. And we went to go see the movie because we want to make sure people know that uh, uh-huh. we're doing our part to at least, at least at the very minimum, create awareness. I know a lot of work still needs to be done, but the very least, we need to create awareness. Of course, that this is a problem. Yeah. And and the thing is. Um, the horrific thing about this is you look at this movie, uh, uh, Sound of Freedom, okay? Um, this guy is the hero. The true story is around this guy, okay? Ballard, okay? Uh, he is the, uh, the, the uh, law enforcement agent who could not go back to his job until he rescued kids. And on top of that, what's happening here is the media, you know, oddly, is actually pushing back against this movie. Listen, this is not a political issue. Protecting our children is not a Democrat, Republican Republican type of issue. It's not a, I believe that regardless of what religion you are, regardless of ethnic background, your heritage, socioeconomic upbringing, if you have kids, I, I kind of say that you care about them. Yeah. It's, it's a natural thing that to have kids that you care about your kids, the protection of the kids, provision of the kids. And so uh, if we take a look at this Twitter, this Twitter um, video of what this, uh, this uh, a Rothschild author is saying about this movie, let's take a look at this clip. And you seem pretty familiar with him because he doesn't really hide his association with this real wild plot uh, that that involves, you know, drinking the blood of children and things like that. No, he doesn't hide it at all. And you have a lot of people who are in this world of QAnon who say, oh, they don't know what that is. They've never heard of it. They're just asking questions. With somebody like Jim Caviezel, he is openly embracing it. He's openly using its catchphrases and its concepts. He's speaking at QAnon conventions. And this film is being marketed to either specific QAnon believers or to people who believe all of the same tenets as QAnon, but claim they don't know what it is. And the sound of freedom does focus on a real issue. Well, of let's, sex let's pause real quick. Uh, pause but real. that theme. So, uh, what is, so he goes, quick QAnon. What is QAnon? So, let's take a look at my screen. QAnon is a wide ranging, completely unfounded theory that says that President Trump is waging a secret war against, Satan, against elite Satan worshiping pedophiles in government, business, and the media. QAnon believers have speculated this fight will lead to a day of reckoning where prominent people, such as former President can, candidate Hillary Clinton, We'll be arrested and executed. Okay, so this is this thing. It's going out there. Secret mm-hmm. society. Unfounded theory. Okay, let's, let's get back to this, this uh, broadcast. I know what it is. And The Sound of Freedom does focus on a real issue of sex trafficking. Uh, but that theme, it, it's sort of like that kernel of truth that feeds the QAnon conspiracy theory. Uh, tell us how those two things work together. 
Sure. And the most durable and the most believable conspiracy theories are not entirely false. There's something in them that is true and the rest of it is false. But the believers point to the one true thing and they say, oh, you don't believe that this particular thing is true. In terms of child trafficking, we know trafficking is real. We know it has real victims. No one is denying that. But these films are created out of moral panics. They're created out of bogus statistics. Bogus They're created statistics. out of fear. And You've with something like Sound of Freedom, it's specifically is looking at QAnon concepts of these child trafficking rings that are run by the high-level elites and only people like Tim Ballard and only people like Jim Caviezel and by extension only people like the ticket buyer can help bring these trafficking rings down. So there's a very participatory element. You're not just going to see a movie, you're just killing two hours on a hot day. You are helping bring down these, these pedophile rings and save children. Now it's not true, but it's a very comforting and it's a very warm feeling to have. Warm freaking feeling. You've got to be freaking shitting me. This guy, Rothschild, you look like a damn pedo. Sorry, bud. But how the hell is this guy even defending the elites that are behind this thing? Because here's the thing, man. I, I, there is got to be some force, some evil force behind this thing because how does cuties get out there? How does this terminology of no longer calling them pedophiles but calling them minor attracted persons, how does this language get out there? That it's normal, yeah. right? And if, if you, have, you have children, somebody kidnaps your kids. And if you look at this movie, I mean, I couldn't imagine the father in this movie. This is horrific what this father's going through. How would you feel? He has like zero power. And then the people that are asking you to fix it, they're behind this whole shit. Yeah. So I don't know. What's your reaction to this knucklehead? It's all money moving, man. It's all money. It's yeah, and at this point, I don't, I don't even want to say that it's politics. It's all it's all money in, in, in this position, and we were talking about it earlier when we first started uh, started the show, and we started getting all these glitches. It's hmm. I, I don't find it to be a, co a coincidence that the main the, you know the mainstream media's and the and the people who have the biggest uh, investments, their big their money in certain uh, media outlets and certain platforms, that those are the platforms that are completely being disrupted when it comes down to exposing these type of truths of reality. And it's and the thing is, you know, they're, they're trying to negate the, the severity of it when in reality there's a lot of people that we that we know that you know your, mm -hmm. your sister and your brother in law are involved in, you know, some of us who are watching this and some people who are gonna be watching this in the long run and come across this video that we know people within families or, you know, extended families that have been involved in this and it's a real, real, real thing. And it's and hit and it's close to home, and it's and it's hard to be able to see these type of um, uh, videos and clips uh, that involve these situations. Because at the end of the day, man, even if it's not a political thing, even if you don't, you're not really heavy on this, and you don't really believe what we speak on, it's really hard to see a six, seven, eight, nine year old have to go through the type of experience yep. and then live out a life of trauma the rest of your life yeah. and have those images in your head for uh -huh. the rest of your life. You destroy that kid's innocence. Forever. Or even even that, just moment of trauma in the moment of them experiencing that, they lose their lives. I don't think yeah. any child, there is no child in this world that was asked to be brought into this world. Yeah. And I think, you know, our duty as adults, or at least for the parents or people who brought the, these kids into the world, I think it's their duty to make sure that these kids live a good life and mm -hmm. experience a good life. It's not the children's fault that they're alive. It was, you know, it's it's mm. the, the man and woman that decided to lay, and, and you know it's unfortunate because a lot of these people and the the people who end up getting targeted are the ones who are struggling the most financially. The low income families, the sure, ones who sure. have no resources, yeah. the ones who yeah. are in seek, need, need of help, and then here comes someone with money. Yep, I can help you. Yep, I'll take your daughter off your hands. I'll take your son off your hands. 
or I'll provide X, Y, Z. I just need X, Y, Z favors from them. Well, just as you mentioned, in other in other countries, yeah, you know, it's legal because that family that may produce a a, a daughter yeah. or or a young boy, they'll sell them to acquire money or or whatever yeah. to somebody that's got more money. In Egypt, these children still get traded for cattle and for livestock. In Egypt, in some in some yeah. countries, if you don't pay your debt, they confiscate your kids. Yeah. They don't repo your stuff. So. My sister, uh, she's part of the International Justice Mission, the largest uh, uh, human uh, anti-trafficking uh, nonprofit in, in, in the country based in D.C., right there next to the Pentagon. But we do a lot of fundraisings for that. So, you know, um, I'm seeing this more and more as a, as a not only after we create awareness, but we really need to create some financial resources. Because here's the problem. The police forces, the police forces are underfunded as it begins, as it, you know, as it begins with. And then at the time, they don't have the resources because... For example, uh, you know Rudy Ortiz, right? Yes. Uh, her, his wife, has got a master's degree. She worked for um, social social services. So what she would do is, she goes, she goes. I remember a, a case of this where we rescued a nine year old, a ten year old, and come to find out, and we put him, we find him, put him with the good her, her grandmother, right? Come to find out, guess who was in it also? Grandmother. Grandmother. Yeah, no shit. And she'd say, yeah, these weird men would come in my room late at night, because. They're, they're bad neighborhood, and the way they can make money instead of selling drugs, because you, you got to know somebody to sell drugs. Yeah. But I can pimp my grandkids out. And so, bro, so they rescued, put it with a good family. 11 years old, this girl gets pregnant, has a kid. And, you know, so, so she's in the system. So Rosie's staying on top of this stuff. And I'm, like, I'm looking at Rosie. I'm like, how did you deal with this stuff as a social worker mm -hmm. and, and the type of things that the scenarios that you'd be going into? But this stuff is happening. And the, the sad part of it, even if you rescued a kid out of the, you know, out of it for the time being yeah. and you put him back with a family, they might be in it too. Yeah. So it's, like a, it's a frustrating thing for the cops to do. And so, you know, you know parents, listen, man, we, we, we got to do our part. You got to do your part to, uh, to make sure you're there not only to provide, but also to protect. And therefore... For those of you that's thinking about just casually having sex and you have a kid, mm. this is the reason why we talk about this type of stuff. Is because, as Milton mentioned earlier, if you end up sleeping with a girl or a guy that you regret, and they're not the type of mother, not the type of father you hope them to be because they're a bum girlfriend, they're a bum boyfriend, and they're not going to change because they're with you, you should be careful who you're having sex with. Then you get pregnant and you bring a kid into this world, you add to the problem. You're a burden on the government, you're a burden on society because now you need help from other people because you're not sustaining yourself. And then what's worst case scenario, the temptation of this stuff to be, to put your kid to, the, the unraveling, I see where this road goes. So um, my recommendation is go see this movie. Not only do go see this movie, take people with you. And I think right now, as of last week, it was the number one movie in America. Yeah. They don't have any big studio money to promote it. I mean, other movies like Mission Impossible and other things, they'll have months of promoting a movie. They didn't have a lot of money promoting this. It's all by word of mouth. Which says that if it's the number one movie in America today, guess what? People aren't caring if it's this Republican or Democrat. People aren't caring if it's this QAnon and, and, and all this garbage that they see. All they care about is you're messing with our kids. When you go out there, when you're supporting, create a message like this. So therefore, some policymaker finally creates something that, and I, and I heard that California, uh, California just came out with a law, I just got a text yesterday, California, the, the Department of Justice um, came out with a law that uh, Biden's DOJ, Department of Justice, has removed child sex trafficking from its lists of areas of concern. Okay, this was yesterday. 
The binds of the OJ has removed child sex trafficking from its list of areas of concern. Well, of all the kids that are coming across the border, too, as well, it's also, it's also been said that two, 300,000 kids have been illegally crossing the border to do this, to, no, no border. Yeah. They've lost track of 85,000 kids. They lost track of 85,000 kids. You kind of know where it's going. Yeah. And so, um, what are your thoughts on this? You're watching this podcast, you listen to this podcast, what are your thoughts? Please put in a comment section below. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on this specific topic. So, um, let me move on to this next topic. Um, there's this lady that is frustrated because she's a mother and she's been paying rent her whole entire life. And uh, even though this is based out in, in, in Australia, I think it still also has an American um, presence because she's, a, she's been a terminal renter her entire life. So, um, Jordan, if we can take a look at this. She's basically counted out how much money she's paid in rent, okay? She's paid $500,000 in rent, okay? She paid $500,000 in rent and owns her own business, but now she's also homeless. Uh, renting Australia is broken. Her after her and two children became homeless after they were booted from the rental home after her landlord sought to increase the rent. The 43-year-old said she has no idea where to go and was looking at safe places to park and sleep in her car. But in her search, a kind couple offered Emma their old caravan to sleep in while she gets back on her feet. So here's a single mom, two kids. She can't afford to pay rent because rent has gone up so high, so high. Um, properties were bringing around at 250 a $1,000 a month. Yes, she owns her, she owns her deal. So there, there's a crazy decision that people in the world, let alone America, have to make. Okay? You can take a, Jordan. And, and this is either A, this is the reason why the Millionaire Goals podcast exists. You think that making more money is optional. It's not. If you want to protect your children, think about this real quick. Just talk about uh, dovetail for the last topic. If you want to protect your children, you got to make more money to put them in the right school system, put them in the right neighborhood, and that costs money. So, um, Milton, you're, you're, you're law enforcement. I mean, what, what is it like with, with kids? Is, is, um, what's, what's that thing when you're out late at night? Curfew. Curfew, yes. It's, when's the last time curfew was enforced? No. When's the last time kids uh, skip in school and you, a cop finds them in the street? When's that enforced? Now it's just a warning, slap on the wrist, put them in a squad car, take them back to school, let the school deal with it. A lot of cops don't want to deal with it anymore. There's not enough funds. I'm, I don't get paid enough for this. A lot, of, a, lot, a lot of them would say I don't get paid enough for this. There's no need for me to get involved in this. It's the school's problem, parents' problem, not my problem. Out of my jurisdiction. Because a lot of these kids that would go to the schools that, you know, would be in, in the areas that I, I knew some of my buddies were working and myself. Um, there were city kids. A lot of city kids would use fake addresses, uh, mm. you know, other people's addresses just to come to school here in, that, in, 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 in the suburbs yep. so that way they can get away from uh, away from uh, from the trouble. So away that's from the jack move. So, so break that down. People here in Texas may not understand other parts of the country. So so if you, you live in the inner city in Chicago. So for example, uh, let's say this. Uh, for people here in Dallas, here in Texas, you live in Oak Cliff, right? South Dallas, where it's not, it's not so great, not so hot. Around Harry Hines. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of drugs, a lot of murder, a lot of things going on and that you don't want your, your, your kid involved in. What a lot of parents would do, they would have a family member or a friend who lives in East Plano, Allen, McKinney, Frisco, and say, hey, can I use your address so I can put my, my kid into the high school here sure. in Frisco? Yep. Some people would say yes, some people would say no. People who said yes, either do it out of kindness of, of their heart or sure. But this is how much I'm going to be charging you every month so you can have your kid in that school and still use my address. So a lot of people will pay rent 
to the people who live in Frisco, McKinney, Allen, and then their kids will, be, will commute all the way from Oak Cliff or South Dallas all the way to Frisco just so their kids can get a different education. But the thing is, their tendencies, their roots, you know, everything they've been exposed to, they yeah. bring that with them. So sure. now they all... All the quote-unquote poison, and call it poison because it spread so fast. All the quote-unquote poison that they picked up from, you know, where, you know where they were raised in the streets they were raised on. Now that's starting to spread amongst the kids within that school. Yeah. And now that's where a lot of systems, are, a lot of systems are infiltrated, and that's why you see a lot of backlash with a lot of these suburban schools and a lot mm-hmm. of these private schools are also ha- going, going through the struggle of not knowing what, where all this is coming from. It may not happen here. I'm not sure, but I know in Chicago that's one, that's one of the biggest things. A lot, a lot of the students from a lot of these suburban schools are actually city kids. And I know for a couple of years in the early 2000s, they were cracking down on that really hard. But then yep. schools got defunded, police got defunded, and there was not a lot of money going to these after-school programs that got the kids off the, off the streets. So now they've just, it's a teacher's problem. Which, by the way, in yeah. Chicago, if you use the Metro yeah. to go from downtown Chicago, right, yep. from Union Station to the suburbs, it's 15, 20 minutes. Yep. 30 minutes. Yeah. So if, if, if I'm a kid and I'm scheming, I take the train during the day, right? Yeah. If, I'm, if I'm if I'm if I'm dealing, yeah. I go out to the burbs, you know, supply my distros out there, mm-hmm. right? My little uh, suburban corner boys yeah. out there, and then I go back to the city, yeah. right? And that's on the train, thirty minutes, very easy commute. You don't even have to drive, and chances are the, uh, the the railroad police don't even pick you up because they see you as a school kid with a backpack, right, or a duffel bag, boom, right, exactly. Yeah, you pay your ticket, you know, and so a lot of things are are are. Admittedly so, and um, you know, I, I like to you know, encourage people that if you think that you have to go out there and hopefully somebody's going to fix your problem, it's not going to happen. If you don't wait around, it's not going to happen. You, you try to sweep it under the rug mentally, emotionally, you try to sweep this under the rug, it's not going to happen. And so um, with that being said, uh, we got this gentleman here who's on Zoom um, all the way from Puerto Rico. And the significance of him, uh, he used to play baseball out here for the Texas Rangers. Actually, pitched with Nolan Ryan. Oh, okay. and so uh, a talented guy, articulate guy, okay. a man of faith, man of God. Uh, I remember uh, one of the comments he pulled me to the side, and he just talks about his faith. Before I knew he was a baseball player, he's talking about his uh, position in uh, position in faith. And uh, just seeing him uh, doing what he's done and moving his career into financial services. Uh, there, there's uh, something you put out there on social media to talk about index annuities have changed my life. I've been a client of index annuities for 34 years. And why is index annuities important? We're going to get into this topic here in a second about, about, about Gen X and not being able to plan for retirement mm-hmm. or behind on retirement. But uh, this gentleman here I'm very excited to have on the show from Puerto Rico, from Zoom. Do we have Edwin Correa on the line? Do, are, are you, oh, you're oh, muted you're on your end, brother. brother. You're, you're, I'm here right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. How can, are you, man? Can I do what? Do what? All right, all right. We're doing great down here in Puerto Rico. Great weather, great weather. So we're enjoying the time down here in Puerto Rico. You got to come soon down here. I for sure will, man. And by the way, he tells me, man, come out of here. He's, he's trying to entice me. You can take my Maserati. We have a good time out here. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Edwin, talk, talk to us about uh, what ended your career here playing for the Texas Rangers. I think you're mute now. Oh, uh, t- t- uh, t- tell, t- me about, tell me about tell me about what ended, what ended your, your career, career here with the Texas, Texas Rangers. Rangers. 
Well, I um, I basically uh, I was playing. I came through the minor leagues. I first came up through the White Sox organization. Come on, baby. Chai and um, made it to the big leagues. Played with Tom Seaver, Lamar Hoyt, uh, Carton Fisk, and uh, joined the the Rangers uh, in 1980. It was a trade at 1985. At the end of 1985. And uh, came over to the Rangers, and uh, basically uh, I had an arm injury, and because uh, you're a pitcher, uh, it, it took away my career, you know. But but it was fun because I was at the time I was 19 years old. I came up to the big leagues and uh, still have the record for the young, youngest pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball to throw a shutout against uh, Pat David team. The New York Yankees, Yankees in New York. <laughs> that's bad. That's awesome. So you had, you had an arm injury, and that yeah. um, took you out the game. And uh, oh, from a financial standpoint, because we know uh, athletes they get injuries. For example, NFL they don't have any guaranteed contracts. What's the difference in contracts between the NFL um, and the Major League Baseball uh, leagues? Well, basically, at that time, when uh, I had my contract, uh, remember, before you become a free agent, uh, you're subject to just uh, take the money that they give you, you know, uh, the rules are the rules. Uh, so I injured myself during that time. And uh, after that, it was a time when uh, I finally uh, 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 ate. I didn't know anything about the annuities, anything. And uh, uh, what happened to me was that it was a malpractice on my arm. So we, we basically went, settled out of court, and my agent said to me, listen, Edwin, I'm going to put this money aside for an index annuity. You don't know what that means, but one day you're going to thank me. That's crazy. Bro, what year was this? That was 1989. Wow, wow! And I start getting and I start getting payments right away. And my money has been gone a long time ago. It's 2023. I still getting the same amount of money monthly until the day I die. Wow, that's that's the benefit of annuity. Basically, uh, it's a it's a form of a pension which is now solidified by a, an insurance company. So when you, when you when you sell this annuity. Um, or when you came into Major League Baseball, where was your, what, was your, what would you say your level of financial education and financial literacy was? Oh, nothing. Oh, nothing at all. Nothing at all. I was guided by my agent, and uh, I didn't know anything about it. You know, and, 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 and good thing, now I'm into uh, financial services, and I understand a lot more, you know, because at that time I didn't. And many athletes go through the same period of, 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 of mental uh, lapse that, that they don't know. They just are guided by, by an agent that if the agent doesn't know any better, they're going to be at the same situation once they finish up their careers. Uh, Edwin, when you're talking to people there in Puerto Rico, you're educating people about finances. What's the biggest objections or what's the biggest areas that, that people say, oh my gosh, Edwin, I never knew this could happen in my life because as you're teaching and you're educating them on the concepts that we, that we, uh, we coach people on, what's, what's the biggest objections or biggest areas of lack of understanding that you're seeing out there? 
Well, you know what? One thing I, I, I find out, Matt, that uh, many of the people down here in Puerto Rico doesn't have any education towards that. And there's a lot of people with a lot of money here also, you know. And the thing is that uh, uh, wasn't in March. It was a law in Puerto Rico through the government that says that only 1% of the public and private sector knows about uh, basically financial literacy. Jeez. So this is an open market for me just yeah. to go out. <laughs> and, you know, I see it as an opportunity, you yeah. know. And, and that came as a law. So, so I'm, 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 hitting, I'm hitting the market. Uh, Milton, you got any, uh, Milton is here, my co-host. He's from Chicago also. Uh, uh, he's my trainer. He's, he's the guy that gets me in the gym and, 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 and gets me uh, pushing my limits. So any questions for Edwin on your end? When dealing, uh, when dealing with athletes, you know, what, what, are, what are maybe a couple things that, you know, being in your position, your experience, you know, being in the major leagues and now being in a position where you're more aware of your finances, is there like, you know, maybe like a, a two, three-step thing that a lot of athletes who are in the, in the league or who are about to get out the league that they can do to ensure their financial future? Well, basically, gotta gotta be people like us, Matt. We we gotta we gotta hit that market. Yes, right. I mean, they have no idea. I think the first thing is just to get step into uh, NFL, the N the NBA, the the the, the MLB, and, and 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 all the sports, and just try to get there and let them know about they need to control their finances. It's 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 one thing that that. They thinking at the time. They thinking the. They thinking about the moment, not not the future, you know. And and many of them can make a lot of money, yes. And and they can they can take care of themselves. But think about their kids. Think about their grandsons. Think about their grand grandsons, you know. And this is this is something that it's it's even even if you make a lot of money, there's a lot of lot of ground to cover in order for you just to. To, to leave a legacy down the road. What's the biggest misunderstanding and misconception people have about life insurance and annuities? In about life insurance, I think that they still live in back in the ages that if you die, that's, that's basically uh, all you're going to get. Your, your beneficiaries are going to get the money. Uh, and that's one thing that I have found out here. Second, on the annuities, uh, basically, uh, uh, there's a lot more to talk about the, the life insurance, but on the annuities, I mean, you could have, you could be set for life if you if you work it the way you're supposed to do, in order to get not only now but on the future and be set. You know, I I, I wrote the the thing that you you, you just put. And I had a, a, a one of the uh, newspapers uh, call me, and uh, it's, it asked me if this is the one that was basically uh, 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 the same deal that Bobby Bonilla got. You know, Bobby Bonilla is still getting money. Sure, sure, sure. You know, and the thing is, they says I says kind of. You know, it's 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 another way to use an annuity and 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 think about not only now but in the future. And he's getting the money, he's getting his money worth. I mean, even when he's not playing long time ago. So this is uh, very important for people to understand because 1989, Edwin Correa, his dream is cut short. 
his agent, it was your, your agent, right? Your agent takes that settlement and puts it into the annuity, which kicks out an income every month. Is it every month? Do you have an, a monthly payout or an annual payout? This is a monthly payout. He gets a monthly, he's been getting a monthly check. How many years were you in uh, uh, total in oh MLB? In MLB, around five years. So, so five uh, years. He's in five years. He's in MLB, but for the last thirty-four years, because he had the right agent go do by, do right by him, and Edwin decided to get educated. He's got a check from the MLB still for the last thirty-four years to the rest of his life because it doesn't stop. May I ask a question. Yeah, uh, Mr. Edwin, what is it that inspired you, motivated you, triggered you, or pushed you to say, you know what, I need to get educated? And I need to make sure my finances are in order, not only for myself, but for my family and for everybody else. What pushed you to even uh, get to this point? Basically, if you don't do it as a person, nobody else will. I mean, this is something that, that once you get through the mind of the person and let them know, this is something that you need to take care. You need to take care of yourself. Because if you don't take care of yourself, I mean, there's so many... Agents, I mean, I was blessed to have an agent that basically uh, uh, showed me the way with an index annuity, but many of them are putting the money. Oh, let me tell you this. There's one guy here in Puerto Rico. His name is Felix Tito Trinidad, the boxer, boxer, boxer the yeah. champion, the champion. He put, he, he put his money through a, 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 an agent where he puts his money on the index, a variable index annuity, a variable annuity, I'm sorry. VA, VA, right. He lost $19 million. Oh, my gosh. He he lost everything he had, $19 million. So that's another experience that I'm using. I have have a a Ruben Sierra. Ruben Sierra played for the Yankees, played for many teams. He's 40, uh, he made $44 million on his career. This is how much he got. Wow. Because no one got to him in time to let him know, listen, Ruben, you have to take care of the future. You just can't be thinking about only the time you're living right now. And basically, if I have to tell you this, many, many, many uh, athletes, just go through life just not even thinking about your future and just thinking about the, the time. Edwin, we got to get you on a longer form interview, uh, maybe perhaps when we do it in person. But uh, I just appreciate you jumping on this podcast and creating awareness about this issue. I, I saw your post this morning. I asked you very quickly last minute if you could jump on, and I appreciate you being so, you know, so quickly available. Thanks, man. Thanks. Hey, I'm reading every day. So. Oh man, I love you. you got the faith. <laughs> in the time, I appreciate you, big dog. I'll see you in a, uh, I'll see you in three weeks at the MGM Grand Arena, brother. See you in a couple of weeks. Take care. All right. I got it. It's Edwin Correa, man. All Make right. sure you guys follow Thanks him. Thanks for having me. Appreciate All you, brother. That's right. oh, awesome. Great, crazy times that uh, that he's experienced there with uh, uh, having the right person yeah. uh, in his corner. He's had to check every year because of the index annuity. So two things: the right person in your corner. And the right financial practice, all annuities aren't created equal. Trinidad, the boxer, um, lost his money in a variable annuity. What Edwin's talking about is a fixed and or indexed annuity, something that's guaranteed uh, principal and guaranteed never to lose your previous year's gains, which is something that we've... My mother, my mother's in the same thing. My mother hasn't lost any money since 2001 in an index annuity. That's why my mother is retired today. 
So uh, you got some uh, thoughts here about some, uh, let's talk about some health and fitness. Sure. All right. Speaking uh, of athletes. Yeah, let's, let's jump into it, man. Okay. I'm going to have you uh, pull up the, uh, the link, Mr. Jordan. The uh, fewer teens uh, now perceive themselves as overweight. Fewer teenagers see themselves as not as overweight? Yes. Interesting. Okay. It's a link that I sent you in the email. Yeah. Or an, an article? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I thought it was a video. Okay. No, no, no it's a uh, no? it's, it's okay. combination. Okay. So right. I'm gonna, I'll pull this up. I'll, I'll, I'll look for it. All but, right. Uh, so and talk through it. Yeah. So, as you, a lot of people have been seeing on social media, on TikTok, on Instagram, on on a lot of social media platforms, there is this trend of uh, accepting the body as is, which is understandable. But it's gotten to the point where a lot of people aren't fully embracing the idea and the notion 745,000 teenagers. Holy moly. So let's jump to this article. A study involving more than 745,000 adolescents from 41 countries across Europe and North America identified an increase in the amount of teenagers who underestimate their body weight. And this has actually happened across the board with a lot of my clients and their children where I have a sit-down conversation with them one-on-one. I'm like, hey, man, or hey, young lady, hey, young man, are you aware that this is your situation and these are the potential risks because you're in this situation at your age? Mm -hmm. And the same response is, well, I don't feel like I'm overweight. I feel like I'm totally fine. Hmm. And now a lot of the Gen Z generation are giving pushback and they're bringing forth the idea that if you try to judge someone based off of the weight or the way their body composition is, you're fat phobic. You're body shaming. You're body shaming them. And here's the thing. Physiological changes that happen in the human body as you get older, that's going to happen. Me, myself, from the ages of six, six, seven years old, all all the way up to the age of 16 years old, I was an overweight kid. Everything, you know, uh, double chin, man boobs. <laughs> I would sweat when I would when I would eat. It was it was one, it was one of those things. And you're gonna have to face the reality of one or two things. You're gonna have to face the reality of either a I'm overweight and it's going to hurt trying to fix it because I need to address it and it's a really crappy feeling that you're overweight, or b you're gonna have to deal with the fact that you're overweight. You're going to ignore it, but you're going to go through a lot of body shaming and you know subliminal messaging from your peers and consistent bullying unless you address it. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I was, uh, I think I was 10 or 11 years old. I went out to a local restaurant with my father. And again, I was, I was obese for my age. I was obese. I ate like a grown-ass man. And uh, I remember we went to this restaurant, uh, a breakfast place. My dad had uh, two eggs, steak, steak and eggs for him, plain toast, coffee. Server comes over to me. She's like, what would you have? Again, and this is, I put it out there and it's, you know, it's embarrassing, but at the same time, hopefully it, it can bring some form of awareness. I remember I ordered uh, two bacon strips, two sausage links, <laughs> eggs, pancakes. I still had, my, um, I still had my, my toast, and also I ordered hash browns. And the lady was jotting everything down, and she just looked at me and looked at my father. And she's like, are, are you okay with him ordering this? And my dad's like, well, that's what he wants, and that's what he's going to eat. Because my dad try stepping up to the plate months ago prior to that day and try to try to discipline me and talk to me and say, hey, son, this is where you're at and this is where you should be doing and this is where I need you to be. My mom, being an overly protective mother, sure, sure. don't talk to my baby that way. Mm-hmm. My baby's perfect. My baby's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. So 
my dad trying to discipline me to become the man who I needed to become would always get shut down by my mother. And that's why it always, it always starts at home. Don't blame your kids. Blame yourselves. It starts with you. So now fast forward to the day of the restaurant. My dad just gave up. He's like, all right, if he wants to eat that, then I guess he's going to eat that today. <laughs> and the server was like, sir, that's a lot of food for a, for a, for a young kid. He's like, well, if he's going to finish it, he's going to finish it. And damn right, I finished that food. Oh, shit. It was freaking yeah, delicious. <laughs> but my struggle was body shaming. I always get bullied. Girls that I liked wouldn't like me back. Girls that dated me at age 12, 13, 14 years old, only dated me out of dares and bets. They wouldn't actually take me serious. And on a mental and emotional level for a teenager, it's, it's, it, it hurts. It sucks. And the thing is, parents and children or young adults or teenagers or preteens or anyone who's going to be watching this in the long run, it comes from multiple things. It comes from lack of awareness. Uh, emotional, it's an emotional coping mechanism. So if you grow up in a household where your parents are consistently fighting and you, have, you don't have many friends, you're antisocial, you're an quote-unquote introvert, you're going to run for food as a comfort. A lot of people run to alcohol, sugar, food, whatever the case may be. For a lot of you guys, for me at least, it was food. Uh, lack of support or resources. That's another thing. We had no idea what healthy eating was. We had lack of resources. I didn't grow up in a, in a household where we can afford luxurious foods. We we ate what we could. From Aldi's. From Aldi's. Ramen. Whatever we could eat, <laughs> that's what we ate. Yeah. So a lot of these foods aren't giving our bodies the nutrients that we not that we need or the nutrients that we desire. So what ends up happening is we eat a meal and we don't have the micronutrients that we need and we're hungry again. Yeah. So we keep eating, keep eating, and calories keep stacking, 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 and now you start gaining weight. You know, you know, what, you know what gets me, man? When people are uh, like on Instagram and social media and TikTok, right? They show that in shape, they got abs, they're working out. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I, I see it. I'm yeah. like, dude, impressive. Good yeah. job, man. Yeah. That, that inspires me. Yeah. But then I look at some of these comments. You ain't doing the reps right. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. No, just, just dogging them out. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, and then I go to, I, I'm just curious. I just click on their profile. You're nobody to talk about somebody's workout, and you're sitting there looking stinking overweight and Boom. obviously not in shape. So that, that's, the, that's the, the following one, which is the body positivity movement where, where a lot of gens, early, like late millennials and yeah. early Gen Zs are doing. The body positivity movement, which I'm giving a lot of pushback on. If you have a child or you yourself are morbidly obese, you sweat when you eat, you can't walk, you can't work out, you, there's certain things, you, certain moves you can't do, you're consistently tired, sitting on the couch, you're playing video games all day, your child's playing video games all day, don't cater to that. Don't baby that. You don't understand the risk that they're actually running. Besides psychological issues and from bullying and from them not being able to feel like they're the par for social experiences they have in high school, middle school, or even college, you're running the risk of diabetes, you're running the risk of heart disease, you're running the risk of clogged arteries, you're running the risk of so many things, including uh, uh, affecting your actual human brain. There's so many things that get affected when you just eat, have a crappy-ass diet. So for those of you who don't know how to attack this, and the thing is, this actually started taking off a lot more during COVID. Yeah, kids sure. were at school. People were homeschooled. They didn't have yeah. much to do. Parents were also at home. They're locked they were down, working remote. They were locked down. So mm -hmm. the only way to shut their kids up. Don't go to the parks. Can't go to the parks. Can't yeah. socialize. Yeah, because yeah. everything's locked down, right? Yeah. So what ends up happening? They get an iPad. They get TV, and they, they keep eating. Mm -hmm. And they start stacking, 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 stacking. So for the people who don't know where to start, for the people who are confused on where do I build and where, where do I begin with my kids, or even if you're a teenager, preteen, where do I begin with myself? Three things: basic, simple, simple, straight to the point. Engage in regular physical activity. Try to at least get 100 to 150 minutes of exercise a week, whether it's walking, bike riding, skateboarding, whether it's hiking, join a fitness class if you're an adult and you have access to, uh, to gym equipment. Go dancing. Do something that's going to involve moving your body and pumping your heart. Number two, make healthier choices. Literally, we live in a generation where we can literally Google things. We can chat, chat GTP things. You can YouTube things. Top five foods that are healthy for me. 
top five foods are going to make help me lose weight. You literally have zero excuse on why you can't get healthy, why you can't help your family get healthy. YouTube University is a real thing. And the third one is practice mindful eating. One of, one of the downsides for me and for a lot of these people who, who had nine to five jobs and we only had 10, 15 minute breaks, we had a full nice fat lunch and we had to scarf it down in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It takes your brain anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes for it to send signals to, for your brain and your stomach to send signals to each other saying, hey, I'm full. Stop. Stop. Yeah. Stop eating. So when you're stressed out, when you're overwhelmed and you're emotionally eating, you scarf down the food that's not allowing your body to process. Like, hey, yo, stop. I'm full. That's why a lot of you guys get IBS. That's why a lot of you guys get indigestion. That's why a lot of you guys feel extremely bloated and lethargic after you eat because you're not taking your time. You're not being mindful of what you're consuming. Get physically active. Make healthier choices and practice mindful eating. And there's a quick 20-second video, if you can pull it up, Jordan, uh, the fat phobic one. You let me know what you think, man, of this. I thought it was, I thought it was funny. Of boys in their little muscle shirts. Men are not meant to be dominant. Men are what? meant to be submissive. Shut up. Not even Let's just short the exercise. I'm just going to be honest. There are so many More better things to do than exercise. This is what they're trying to promote? Yep. When you Lower do that standards. there's like muscles there, nobody cares about that. It hurts me to see how corrupted you are. What the? Ah! Yeah, I'm screaming. And can cry. So it's okay. Well, these are men. These are, these are men, right? It's okay to be fat. You work it's out not. strictly for appearance based reasons. You are fat phobic. Stop it. Five seconds. Six seconds. Uh, uh, four. What? Three. Two. One. Embrace masculinity. Yeah. What are your thoughts as someone who, you know, who was once in a, in a position where, you know, you, you were broken down, but now you're fit? But now you're also in a position that isn't only about yourself, but you, now you also have kids. For me, the opposite was true. I wasn't overweight. Yeah. I was too skinny. Yeah. You know, so, and I didn't, feel, I didn't feel good about myself. You, you can't tell me those folks who really actually feel good about themselves. Yeah. You know, uh, they're, they're mocking low sta- they're, they're mocking everybody else because they want to sell you on low standards. I don't know, man. It's, it's, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a difference between right and wrong, and this is wrong. Being too skinny is also strong because I was... I was what they call skinny fat, you know, you, when, you, when, you, when you, first, you and I first met. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I, I wonder if I could show you a picture of what I, I used to look like. Because when I was going through stress, I, I didn't, actually I did eat, but food had a different effect on my body. So you, you may not just be um, overweight, you could be underweight. Uh, and, and, and you're going through stuff, some stuff. So um, this is Milton's favorite picture of me, right? Here, here, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> look at that sexy thing right there, boy. That's it, man. Stud, United States Marine, Special Operations Unit, right? Yeah, yeah. I was stressed, PTSD, the whole thing, man. Look at that trigger finger on the right side. Yeah, I can't even close my finger. Yep, until I started taking care of my body. Yeah, yeah. Right? And uh, I was going nowhere fast in that, in that scenario. So it's both ways, man. You, 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 you have to watch your diet because it has to deal with how you deal with your temples. You know, that's chapters 7 and 8 of my book, Faith Made Millionaires. Your body's, your body's a temple. Yeah, and uh, if you want to live in your purpose, you want to live in 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 in, in service to others, uh, service to a purpose greater than yourselves. You're going to need to be around for a while, and uh, the children that uh, look up to you. Um, you know, I, I push my kids uh, you know, every time I'm in town. I either try to you know uh, get them into the gym, or we we go out and we we eat the right things and and, and see the right things both mentally and, and physically. But uh, you know, if, if you think that these type of standards are okay, I was surprised that gym wasn't every day at school. Today, gym's not every day at school. Once a know? week now. Yeah, it's, it's not. So right now we got Jordan and JoJo constantly you know, moving every day. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, especially for a boy, 
a boy's got to move. And so, you know, what was that first one the guy said in that video? Uh, men are not supposed to be masculine. Men are supposed to be dominant. Yeah, well, men aren't, aren't supposed to be dominant. Men are supposed to be submissive. Listen, you know, if, if you read the Bible, you know, you know man is the head of the home. Uh, the man is the head of the wife. Man is the head of the household. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? So that's a man's decision to do. To, 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 yes, man is. If you, want, if you want to fight a war, guess what you want? You want masculine men or submissive men? Yeah. <laughs> you get into a fight, you want a masculine man or you want a submissive man? So, you know, the, that's the problem having so many years and years of good times. Good times create weak leaders. However, weak leaders create tough times. And tough times, what we're in right now, create strong leaders. So we're looking for the leaders to step up and out. We're looking for you. We're looking to build you. And if you're listening to this, we appreciate you. Male, female, man, woman, uh, regardless of, of what gender you are, we want you to be a leader. Step up. Um, speaking of stepping up, um, next topic here. Let's take a look at the topic of, of Generation X retirement plan reality. Funny video here about this lady talking about the situation with Generation X and their current retirement plan because they're the next generation up for retirement. So a lot of generations can take a look at the mistakes of this current generation, so therefore it doesn't apply to them. Let's take a look at this. Millennials are going to work until they die, and Gen Z is going to have to work even longer. Let me guess, that study didn't mention Gen X. But you can add us to the list because we're going to work until we die too. We wish we were only working for 45 years, nine to five. We've been working since we were little kids. And the closer we get to retirement age, the farther it looks away. You can't save something you don't have. And a lot of Gen Xers don't have any money saved for retirement. We've been plagued with financial crisis after financial crisis. Housing crisis after housing crisis. Rising inflation and let's throw some student loan debt in there. Gen X makes up 38% of all student loan debt in this country. And that's more than any other generation. They'll be paying on that shit long after they're dead. Couple all of that with the fact that a lot of Gen Xers are caring for their elderly parents as well as their grown children. And well, I mean, just do the math. And the worst part is we're closer to retirement age, so we have a lot less time to save for it. By the time we actually get to retirement age, Social Security is going to be like bankrupt. So there's going to be nothing. So add us to the pile because we'll be working until we're dead, too. So, you know, we're looking at um, the requirement. It's no longer a desire or a luxury to make more money. It is really right now a requirement for you to make more money. So number one, if you're thinking about protecting your children, right schools, safe neighborhood, you got to make more money. Private school for your kids, safer neighborhood for your kids, number one. Number two, you got to catch up with what you didn't save in previous years. The Gen X generation was the first generation to experience what 401ks were because they started going away with pensions and they started introducing 401k plans in, in, in the 80s. So for, 401k plans, by the time Generation X figured out what a 401k plan was, they were already 35. So the biggest asset that you have in saving for your retirement for the future is time. The sooner you have to start tucking away more money, having the right habit to save more money, like Edwin Corey was saying earlier, the better. You don't have to save as much when you start earlier, but the more you wait, the, the more you've got, the more you got to save. Uh, we, just, we just released a, uh, a video. Uh, Jordan, can we show this uh, quick on my screen? We just released this video on my YouTube channel, Three Ways to Make $1.5 Million of Passive Income. And why $1.5 million of passive income? Because accounting for inflation, forget the Rolls Royce. Yeah. You know, we might as well put a Toyota up there. Because $1.5 million in income 20 years from now, 30 years from now, that's going to be the norm for you to live. If inflation continues to chip away at buying power, meaning that you got to spend more money at the grocery store, you got to spend more money in your house, you got to spend more in your cars and gas, et cetera, et cetera. So check out this video on the Seven Figure Squad YouTube channel here. We'll post, we'll put the link here in the Millionaire Goals podcast description. And the other aspect of this too as well, number three, is if you are taking care of uh, uh, your kids as a Gen X, Teach your kids that they got to grow up and start paying their own damn bills. 
I know it's tough. I know it's hard. I know it's my son. I know it's my daughter. Listen, my three older kids, all on their own, under 20s. And guess what they don't have? Because we talked about this when they were in junior high, in high school. They weren't going to be college graduates. They didn't want to go to college. And all their friends are starting to come home now from college. Guess what they have? They're moving back in with mom and dad because mom and dad lets them. And guess what they also have to pay? Student loan debt. So when you're looking at the situation we're in today, you have some three, these are three critical decisions and reasons for you to start making more money. And if you don't, let's say you don't, man, you're full of crap, da, 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 I don't want to listen to this stuff. I know, because it's harder to self-reflect and it's harder to improve. People don't want to look at failure in the face. Well, the sooner you look at failure in the face, the sooner you look at what you have your lease in, the sooner you can correct it and so you can put time back in your favor and so you can create some solutions in your life because it's either you're going to be dependent upon your plan or you're going to pay, depend upon the government plan, your choice. Milton, what's your thoughts on this? Because you, you had some thoughts on uh, student loan debt too, right? Yeah, so uh, so for, for, a lot, for a lot of people that were, a lot of students, a lot of you guys, I know a couple of my nieces and nephews who were going to college, like, yes, Biden's going to uh, forgive the student loan debt. We don't have to pay student loans anymore. Well, uh, I'm sorry, it's too bad. That completely got struck Supreme, down. And yeah. now these payments are going to start, uh, they're going to resume again. And they're actually going to start occurring again on September 1st, and payments will resume in October. And for a lot of you guys, you, you guys may say, well, what, what does it matter? Well, again, like Matt said, as price of all things go up and you're still at your nine to five job that probably has given you a 15, 20 cent raise, a dollar raise in the past XYZ amount of time, it's going to impact you. So on some level, you're going to have to prepare to pay back these student loans. And now as you're aging as well, now you have a home, now you have a mortgage or rent. Now you may have a kid, two kids and you're still going, you're still in school it's going to be difficult to be able to pay off these loans. So uh, there are three things that I could advise you on, and I'm going to have Matt touch on one of the biggest ones that he's been able to do for himself and his family and his career and his business, and he speaks about it even in his book, Faith Made Millionaire. Um, three things that you can actually prepare for uh, paying back your student loans. Number one is being able to cut costs, especially people my age or a little bit younger than me. There's no need for you to go out and eat every single day. You can cook at home or you can even look into a meal prep company, which now, nowadays tends to be a little bit cheaper than actually eating out or even cooking your own food. Now you're able to buy back your time, create more time so you can scale your business, grow your business, or spend more time with your family. Also, number two, this goes to a lot of my guys. And I actually made a post about this on social media, uh, I think, in the like, uh, last two days. Stop buying designer. Who are, you who are you buying designer for? The girls? Who are you trying to impress? I still shop at Marshall's, man. Yeah. My wife just came. We just came from the Bahamas. We're... <laughs> We've been cash flow millionaires for several years now. We still shop at TJ Maxx. Yeah. There's no need for you to be in it. I, I, uh, when I first moved here, there was a, I don't think he's there anymore. I first moved here, I, I went shopping at Tum Tum down the block from my, from my, mm. from my uh, apartment at the time. And there was a bagger, 16-year-old kid wearing a Louis Vuitton belt. Make sure he tucked in his shirt if he wore a Louis Vuitton belt. And I remember um, uh, my roommate at the time, uh, he, he was with me. Stupid. And this kid's like, I, I was buying a lot of water. He's like, is that, is that water for you? And I, I didn't mean to sound like a dick, but he was like, is that water for you? Are you going to drink all that? I'm like, yeah, man, I drink, I, I drink all this. Wow, I'm just, it's really crazy how you can drink all that water. And I'm like, it's really crazy that you're wearing a Louis Vuitton belt working at Tum Tum. And he just looks at me. He's like, yeah, my grandma got me this belt. You're bullshit. Cool. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But, and also, stop, you know, uh, another way to cut costs is stop, li you know, stop, you know, live, stop living beyond your means. If you know you can't afford certain things, just because you have the money doesn't mean that you need to waste that money. Use that money to stack your money for emergency savings, investment savings, or to be able to put it in, in a different account where it can accumulate interest. Number two is being able to create a budget. And within creating a budget, you need four things. Determine your income, calculate your monthly expenses, set realistic goals, and also be mindful of tracking your spending. And the last one, which I'm going to pass it on to Matt completely, is 
increasing your income? Do you, do you have some advice on anyone within any age on how they can increase their income? Yeah, number one, you got to be very valuable to you. If you're working for a company right now, show that you provide value to your department. You show them how to increase revenue, how to cut costs, how you become an invaluable employee. Okay, well, Matt, you always talk about entrepreneurship. Yeah, if you suck as an employee, guess what you can be as an entrepreneur? You're going to suck too as an entrepreneur. Your habits are created at your job. Most people don't start off a business 17, 18, 19 years old. Most of them, you have a job. If you suck at your job or if you do well at your job, chances are those indications, those habits carry into entrepreneurship. Now, Milton and I and many of the guests we have here on the Millionaire Goals podcast, Evan Correa here that we just had as a guest, all of us have chosen a path of entrepreneurship. Capitalism, the economic system of capitalism is the greatest economic system that helps raise people from poverty. We don't have a college degree. Edwin Correa didn't have a college degree. Many people we have here on the show don't have a college degree. Why? Because you choose to be more valuable instead of having a degree. We find things that are problems in a marketplace. We create a solution for it, and therefore we create a product or a service that helps people's lives become better. And boom, that's your business. All you got to do is just improve it, improve your skill set, improve your marketing, and bam, there it is. Question two as well as number three, last, last but not least, is who are you surrounding yourself with? Mm. Are you surrounding yourself with $15 an hour baggers that have, wear, wear Louis Vuitton belts? Makes you feel bad that you don't have one too as well? Or are you surrounding yourself with people that are sharing ideas and thoughts and how you can get financially ahead? Are they fostering and challenging you to think higher and better about yourself that are helping feed into you an identity that you deserve better? Because you know you want it, but now you just need the systems and strategies. And that's what we do. That's what we do here at our office here in, in all, all across the country. Twice a week, Tuesdays and Saturdays, is just inject belief, inject systems, inject leadership, inject financial literacy and financial education so therefore people can rise up. Because before you wait for the government to change things around for you, which I right now, look at the things that's being kept away from a lot of people. You know, relationship management, financial management. Why? Because it keeps you broke. If you don't manage relationship, you don't manage finances, you stay broke for the rest of your life. And the biggest relationship you need to take care of is with the big man upstairs. Get that relationship right because all these things, mindset starts uh, of, of uh, healing, uh, your spirit starts healing and you start affirming yourself again instead of waiting for externally now or uh, internal. Instead of looking for motivation, you're now self-inspired. Mm. Like one comes from within. That's where you need to be as, as a person to start being a, uh, a resource to yourself. And on my end, I'll, I'll end with this. The moment you decide to make that decision for yourself and you decide to say, hey, I'm going to go forth with this and I'm going to make the decision to change my life and change the future generations of my family, my lineage, you're going to notice a lot of pushback. You're going to notice a lot of people being filtered in and out of your life. You're going to notice a lot of bridges burnt. You're going to notice that your identity is going to have to change. And also, you're going to have a lot of moments where you're going to doubt everything you've done. You're going to doubt your decisions. You're going to doubt the decision you made of trying to pursue something bigger than yourself. There's going to be a lot of moments of doubt. And with that... Jordan, I want you to pull up uh, the T.D. Jakes video to hopefully we can end on a good note with the statement that it just made. Working on something. I might not be impressive right now, but I'm working on something. I might not have any money right now, but I'm working on something. I may be a student in school living off of Roman noodles, but I'm working on something. I may <laughs> have to noodles. study while you go to the basketball game, but I'm working on something. I may not get to do all the fun things that you get to do, but I'm working on something. I'm in the gym because I'm working on something. I'm on the field running because I'm working on something. I'm reading books at 2 o'clock in the morning because I'm working on something. I'm exercising because I'm working on something. Anytime you're working on something, you got to go through a period of suffering. And if you lose over here, you're going to win over there. Who am I talking to this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. You're talking to us. You're talking to the Millionaire Goals Podcast, TDJs. Come speak at a conference. 
respond to our RFP, our request for proposal, man. By the way, let's just end it right here, man. I yeah. just, I'm just excited about uh, the week ahead. I'm excited about the month of July. We have our company convention in the next couple of weeks in the, uh, in the in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand Arena. Um, we got some. Uh, we got. I'm in, I just heard that from from Patrick that I'm going to be interviewing Charlie Kirk yeah. for the national convention. Yeah, yeah. Interviewing him, um, Will Gadar, who owns one of the top restaurants in New York, he's coming out. Um, uh, we got uh, uh, Khabib. Khabib's coming out too as well to our convention. So if you're out there and you're looking to connect, and you say, Matt, these things start to make sense, man. I just need more solutions. I need to connect myself to the right environment. Go to the link below in the description column. Uh, fill out your, uh, the information so therefore we can reach out to you and we'll connect you with either ourselves here in Dallas or to one of our offices across the country that can help you plug into an environment to help you think like a millionaire, strategize like a millionaire. So therefore, one day soon, you can become a first-generation cash flow millionaire. So with that being said, Milton, appreciate you on episode 29. Come on, baby. See you next Wednesday for episode 30. We've got some very interesting guests coming here and lined up for, for the rest of the month. That being said, please drop your comments, your thoughts, your questions in the comment section below. We might have some feedback for you for the next episode. That being said, I have Milton Alvarez. I'm your money smart guy. And until we meet again, continue to live smart. Continue to love smart. I'm your money smart today. See you next week. Bye-bye.